the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gap, episode 564 for Sunday, August 2nd, 2015. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show that has been described as car talk for Apple geeks. You send in your questions. We find you some answers. Sometimes we can provide them ourselves. Sometimes the community here provides them. We aim to all learn at least three new things every time we get together each week. This episode of Mac Geek Gab is sponsored by Smile Software with or smile, I should say, at smilesoftware.com with Text Expander 5. We will talk about that shortly here. Also sponsored by Linda at lynda.com slash mgg, where you can get your 10-day free trial of their training stuff, which we will also talk about shortly here. And yes, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Brown. And here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm still Dave Hamilton. It's just me here today. I just figured I'd, 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 I'd throw you a little bit, John. How goes it today? Eh. Yeah, same. I got gotcha. you. I'm, I'm with you. It's one of those. It's a weird morning for John and I. It's been um, the, the uh, I don't know. It's, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. Why don't we go and, uh, and let's talk. Let's talk to Corey here. Because Corey has an interesting question. We'll see if we can jumpstart the old brains. Corey writes, I use iCloud Photo Library and I really like it. And I have all my photos saved to iCloud. I purchased the 250 gig plan, which is enough for all my backups and photos. And it gives me peace of mind that all my photos are safe in the cloud, along with my time machine and crash plan, crash plan backups, of course. I also like how all my photos are available everywhere. And the syncing has just worked great so far. So good. I'm moving from one Mac to another, so I cloned my old Mac's drive to an external drive for temporary safekeeping, and I did a fresh install of OS X on my new machine. I'm moving the files from my clone drive manually, one at a time, not with Migration Assistant, one of which, of course, is my Photos Library. I copied my entire Photos Library to my new computer, launched the Photos app, and pointed it to the old library. All my photos showed up. Great. But iCloud Photo Library came up as Disabled. When I enable it, Photos tells me I don't have enough space on my computer and on iCloud to turn on iCloud Photos. It seems like it wants to merge my two libraries and doesn't yet realize they're the same. So how do I use an existing library which is already synced with iCloud Photo Library on a new computer? Do I have to re-download everything from iCloud? And I, th I, I think that's the answer. Uh, I, what's happening is similar to what, what happens with iTunes match or iCloud music library. Now, if you have, if you're hitting that 25,000 song limit, it just won't enable because it doesn't realize that what you're trying to add is actually not an ad. It's just a match. So it doesn't do the, the matching first with iCloud photo library. It assumes that it's going to be all, you know, added together, and then as it as it goes through, if it if in fact it would go through, if you had enough space on your hard drive to download your library again, which you wouldn't wind up doing, or if you had and if you had enough space in uh, iCloud Photo Library to upload your library, 
uh, to what's already there, which of course you wouldn't wind up doing. Then it would do this and wind up, you'd wind up probably with the same thing. There might, there might be some dupes. I don't know how, how good it is, but I think for now, I believe the answer is start with a blank library and have it redownload everything. I don't, otherwise I don't know how to get it to do that scan. Any thoughts on this, John? Uh, I'm not using it, but that sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, it's it it sounds logical. It is completely unreasonable, I'll say, simply because you know I, I think Corey has Corey is is of course the um the gentleman and programmer extraordinaire who writes our Mac Geek Gab app, and uh, he. I believe he has told me in the past that he has a library, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 gigs. So, you know, to re-download that, it's not on most cable modem connections. And my guess is Corey being a geek like us and a programmer, he's got a plenty fast connection. Downloading 150 gigs is not undoable, but it is unreasonable since he knows he has all that data there. So. I don't know. I, I don't know. the I don't know the magic answer. I th- actually, I think we do know the magic answer, and it's not. Sadly, it's not all that magic. But if somebody in the chat room here uh, at macgeekab.com slash stream, good morning, everyone. If any one of you has a thought about this uh, that uh, might help Corey solve this problem, please let us know. And of course, uh, anybody at home, if you have any thoughts on anything we share today, feedback at macgeekab.com is the way to email us. Wait, wait, this is the wrong time to tell people it's about n- feedback at MacGeekGab.com, Dave. It's never the wrong time to tell people about feedback at MacGeekGab.com. <laughs> and in fact, if you want to send in an audio comment, you can do it at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. But you can also do it by calling us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is? four three three five. And with that, I think it's time to go to Curtis. Well, I got one thing. I got a fish shake. Well, I just want to share oh, yeah, something. Go ahead. So speaking of iCloud, Dave... I don't know. I had I had the weirdest thing happen to me, um, and I babbled about it on my Twitter and, and other social media. But I don't know what was happening, Dave. Um, but it was definitely an iCloud oddity. So all of a sudden, my phone started asking me for my iCloud password, which of course is tied to an Apple ID. Sure. And I'm like, okay. Every now and then it does that. I think I recently did a restore. And, uh, you know, I guess these tokens get expired. And it stuff happens. Like that. So it's like, yeah, what's your, uh, what's your, I think it was trying to do a backup, you know, a backup to iCloud of the device. And I'm like, okay, huh, why is it asking for my password? I'm like, okay. So I enter what I know for a fact is my password because I keep it stored in um, LastPass. And it says, nope. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, what, the, what, the, what, what, what? <laughs> So like that, ah, typed it in again, made very sure, you know, sometimes you, you mistype it because, you know, I have sure. a mixed case, you know, special characters. So sometimes, you know, you, you get that wrong on the uh, on the iOS device keyboard. Did it again. And it's like, nope. I'm like, oh, man. So I go to my computer and I go to the you know section where you can manage your Apple ID and I try to load it, log into iCloud from my computer. Yep. And it's like, nope, password's wrong. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I actually got to the point where I tried to, you know, do a, a password reset and I actually, uh, you know, tried the security questions yep. and, and I eventually ended up locking the account because I, I failed too many times. 
I was certain I gave the right answers. And then, you know, it's like, ah, you know, you got to wait eight hours and, uh, you know, maybe call us tomorrow and we'll try to help you out here. So, you know, I went to sleep, you know, had had nightmares about iCloud, yeah. my Apple ID not working anymore and I could yeah. never get into it again. That's right. And then the next day, tried to log in. Everything's cool. <laughs> like, so they what? just now did you, t- to be fair, not that this is an excuse, but did you check the iCloud status page? Yes. Yes, okay. I did. And, and yeah, it I said everything was good. That. And All as far right. as it was concerned, iCloud, I got every, uh, uh, according to the, the status page. Yep. And we'll find that and paste that in. Cause that, that is something that, you know, every now and then they will report when it's acting up. But it was like, it never happened. It was lying to me. I think I was, well, I know for a fact I was entering the right password. It just sure. kept saying, nope, nope. So they had some backend weirdness mm. that just resolved itself. Citibank had that problem this week too. Uh, out of the blue, I got a text message from my wife and she's like, if you're having trouble with your Citibank account, don't freak out. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and evidently she had tried to log in and went through actually a very similar process. And uh, finally it was just determined that, yeah, we're having authentication issues. You got to try later. Right. Having that happen. What I will suggest to people is for your Apple ID. So, so again, you can go and manage your Apple ID there are emails associated with Apple IDs. Um, when you try to do a password reset, it will typically send an email to those emails. Uh, make sure the emails that you have on file with them are current. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I have one Apple ID where it's actually an address that uh, I had not, uh, <laughs> that I actually deactivated at some point. So just another friendly tip there. It's good Make stuff. Sure that man. Your, uh, your information and, and they'll send out a verification email and then you click on the URL and then they're had, they're convinced that the email is, is in fact yours and working and, and sure. stuff like that. But it was, it was very worrying. Not good. <laughs> that it lied to me. It lied to me. My password was fine. It, it, it was just a, again, shake my fist at iCloud. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to keep shaking my fist at it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 at the very least, the status page should be telling us something in those in those scenarios. But, you know, it, when something's broken, it's broken. So you want to take us to Curtis while uh, while you've got the baton there, John? Can I take us to Curtis? I could. Yeah. All right. So here. Uh, <clears throat> here's what Curtis has to say. OK, a little water. I think we're good. I first want to say, um, ah, well, Curtis likes the show. Thank you very much. And yes, we are car talk like here. Let me me find, where's the meat here? Ah, here we go. My first Apple product was the iPod photo. Unfortunately, I bought it two weeks before the iPod video came out. Okay, so he is a veteran. Since then, I've had a string of iPods, iPads, iMac, iPod Touch. Um, Finally standing in line on iPhone 6 launch day. Got my first iPhone. Speak up. Make, the, make sure we're going to find the oh, meat I see. here. Okay. All right. No, you I'm can just, just tell the story. Rambling because. Yeah. I'm just trying to find the meat here. Um, well, here's what's happening. All right. Ah, I found the meat. All right. So he's saying what's happening is. So now with his phone. What seems to be happening now. So, of course, your phone, one thing you can do is you can sync it with uh, iTunes. Another thing we'd love to shake our fist at. (laughs) And you'll see these steps coming up while you're doing the syncing here. He's having 
problems because what's happening is it gets to the point where it says syncing name of device step seven of seven waiting for changes to be applied but the changes are never made and the sync never finishes all right i think that's about it that's that's the meat there so the sync is not completing i don't think there's anything yeah yeah i think that's about it right i see this happen all the time yeah well, I got two thoughts here. And actually, now I think about it. One suggestion I had here, I think probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it couldn't hurt. But um, what I did mention, I'm, I'm wondering if there may be weirdness with the backup file. Now I think about it more. I think that may not be it. But you may want to do this anyways. You may want to create, you may want to archive your backup. And you did a little ditty on that recently, Dave. You may want to archive the backup of that device and... Uh, Maybe try, make another try one. again. Actually, that's a really good idea. I mean, it's it's funny. Three shows in a row now we're mentioning this article that's really actually about three years old uh, from TMO. But uh, but it's one of those things that's evergreen about archiving your backups by doing the uh, the the control key, uh, as we mentioned in iTunes to uh, to create an archive. But you're right, John, because that forces your Mac to start a new backup. And if if in fact your problem is that, then yeah. That would solve it. I like it. That's actually a, a great use of that that we have yet to touch upon. So I'm just trying it. to think if that really has anything to do with the sync mechanism. And maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Not usually, yeah. though. Um, right. I, and I've had problems with this sync thing, too. It, it sometimes it just doesn't work uh, and it gets stuck. And I and, uh, you know, it's one of those things you reboot the Mac, you clean caches and you, you know, wiggle a rubber chicken and then suddenly everything's working again. This of is course the other thing to do when you have iTunes or iDevice problems and got a nice article that tells you how to do this, but do a restore. It could be on the device. It, it could. could be something's whack on the device and, and not on your computer. So the uh, so the backup suggestion. So of course the backup is stored on your computer, but the device may have something weird going on with it. And and one way to get a, a device uh, minty fresh again, <laughs> giving it that uh, you know fresh feeling, is uh, do a restore, and it kind of wipes the device and reloads everything. And it could be that something's out of whack on the device. So uh, of course before you do a restore, make sure you do a backup because during the restore process, that's one thing you're going to be asked is, hey, by the way, you want to load all your data back on here. Hey, I have something to add here about iOS device backups because uh, I've had this reported to me by a few different people, especially now that the Apple Watch is out. When you are backing up to your Mac, if, you, if you're doing your backups to iTunes as opposed to or perhaps in addition to backing them up to iCloud, you have the option as to whether or not you want to encrypt your local backup. It's an old checkbox and, and then you enter a password, which you can have stored in your system keychain and and then you sort of forget about it, whether you've chosen it or not. But when you choose the encrypt box, a couple of things happen. Now, for years, what's happened is when you've chosen to encrypt your backups, it stores your passwords for things like uh, your mail accounts and, and that sort of stuff. So that's very handy when you're restoring from a backup to have that data in there and not have to reenter it. But it will only do it if it's encrypted. And that's understandable. It's not entirely clear that if you don't choose to encrypt your backups, that stuff won't be there. What's also not entirely clear is that if you don't encrypt your backups, none of your health data that you've stored from your Apple Watch or from really any other device or, or tracking app, if it's in Apple's health kit data store, 
it will only be saved in your backups if your backups are encrypted. Now, good news is all of your iCloud backups are encrypted. So all that data is automatically there if you're backing up to iCloud. But if you're not and you're backing up to your Mac, I highly recommend checking that box and either use an, a, a complex password that you will never forget or use a very simple password on your Mac. Um, on the, for those backups, not necessarily for your Mac as a whole, but for those backups, because the problem is you're not going to be restoring from them often. You're going to forget about this password that you've done. So you've got to store it somewhere, or if you plan on remembering it, make it something that you will certainly remember. I hate to advise to use simple passwords. So I will simply revise my advice and say, use a memorable password for you. That's all I got. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's time. I want to talk about Smile Software, our first sponsor for this show. And uh, actually, I, I get it wrong every time, or I get close to getting it wrong, and I got it wrong here. It's Smile is the name of the company. Smile Software is their URL. Smilesoftware.com slash geek will always get you to the current promotion for this particular show. So now that we've gotten that straight, the current promotion for this particular show, because they make great stuff there, and everything they make is something that I use, is Text Expander 5. Text Expander 5.1 came out uh, just a little over a week ago. And uh, the, in, a, in a general gist, Text Expander helps you type faster by making suggestions and storing frequently typed phrases so that you can type a shortcut for them and save time and ensure accuracy. The example that I love to use, which I actually use all the time, is my own address. Um, I know my address, but when I'm typing quickly, I might get it wrong. It also takes me a little while to type my address because it's several lines. I have to type my name and then my street address and then my city state zip. And then usually my phone number because somebody wants my phone number along with it if they're shipping me something. Well, there's no reason to have to type those four lines. So what I do is I don't. I type comma D-H-A-D-D and bam, my, my address with my name and phone number is all there. If I don't want to include my phone number, I can just delete that bottom line. It all comes in as text. This isn't magic. It, it's all, it is like pasting it in to wherever document you're in. So once it's in there, it's, it's you know, text expanders out of the way and you can, you can do whatever you want with it. The cool part is text expander snippets, which is what those are called, sync across all your devices. Uh, if you want them to, they don't have to, but you can have them sync. They can use it can use iCloud Drive or Dropbox to do the syncing. And so that way, if you've got multiple Macs and you edit snippets on one, they're just there on the other. You don't even it it becomes seamless because it's just always running and it's always syncing uh, or it always is keeping up to date with the sync file. I guess Um, Dropbox and iCloud Drive are the things that are always syncing and keeping your your um, your preferences and all that up to date so that, you know, I just move from one Mac to the other and it's it's nothing. I can also run it on my iOS devices. And again, the shortcuts all sync there too. So it's very, very cool. And you can do more than that. Like for, for example, when we do this show, uh, I have some things that I have to automate every week, like the push notification that I send out through our great Mac geek app. Now there's a little bit of Java script that I need to, it's actually a little payload that I need to write in order to send that script out. I don't want to, or in order to send the notification out, I don't want to have to remember what the format of that is, but I want to be able to customize the middle of it when the part that is the little message that we send to you folks. And so what I do 
is I have a fill-in snippet with Text Expander, and that's called MGG Push, or that's my shortcut for it. So I type my little, my little MGG Push, and up pops a dialogue that has all the little fields that I'm going to want to fill in. Is the sound there? Do I want to increment the counter? What should I set the counter to on the app? And, of course, the message. And I fill in those little things, and I hit OK. And then the, the uh, Text Expander pastes in this payload snippet, which is, you know, this ugly thing with, with curly braces and all kinds of stuff. And it's always correct. Not only do I not have to remember it, but even if I did remember it, it's possible I'd get something wrong because it's very specific about what it needs to be. I don't want to screw you guys up when we send out these notifications. So text expander solves that problem for me. It's awesome. Really, really makes it easy to do all this stuff. Text expander five has a new Yosemite look and feel. Um, Text Expander 3 Plus uh, has a custom keyboard, or Text Expander 3 uh, and custom keyboard is available for the iPad and iPhone. It's $44.95 for the Mac. Upgrades are $20.1995 for existing users and free to anyone who purchased Text Expander after January 1st of this year. You got to check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash geek is the place to start. And uh, you can download a free trial for the Mac version and you're going to love it. I, I couldn't live without it. It truly is one of those things that, that I just couldn't live without. So you got to check it out. Thanks so much, Smile, for sponsoring this show, as you always have. Smilesoftware.com slash geek. Moving on to John. John, uh, we, have, we have some follow-ups from last week. John says, uh, listening to your comments in Mac Geek Up 563 about paying twice for apps it, the iTunes store doesn't actually charge you if another family member has already purchased it. I know it looks like it's going to. It even says you will be charged X amount. But when you accept that, then it says something like, oh, wait a minute. Another family member has already purchased this, so you haven't been charged. And it still adds it to your account, just like we discussed. So a little misleading. And, you know, the problem is, and John points this out, you need to make sure you're buying the correct app because you don't know. There's no indication until you've agreed to pay that someone else in your family owns it and you won't have to pay. So if there's two flavors of an app or one that sounds like another, even though they're from different vendors, you'll have no idea uh, until it's you until you either find out you're correct or it's too late and you've paid. So uh, but thank you, John, for for uh, for clarifying that for us. That's that's a good thing. Similarly, last week, Alex points out. Uh, that you can remove contacts from iCloud.com by command clicking. Uh, and it also supports command A, so you can select all of them. Uh, the trick, and we found that out last week, the trick was deleting them was not obvious because there's no delete button to click on the web page. However, the iCloud.com help says to delete a contact completely press the delete key on your keyboard. So it's actually mapping some of this stuff uh, just like the command a works to just select the contacts. It's not selecting the entire website. It's, it's, it's capturing the fact that you've pressed the delete key uh, like the web-based word processors do in, you know, pages or Google docs or anything like that. So thank you, Alex, for pointing that out. It's a good, good thing. Anything to add before I keep moving on here, John? Hey, look at that. I can actually log in now. Hey, that's good news. <laughs> to uh, to iCloud.com, yeah. that is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew. Lars points out, this normally would fall under a cool stuff found, but it's, uh, it's so relevant to all the discussions that we have that I didn't want to wait. Uh, he said in 562, 
you mentioned using Flickr to back up your photos. He says, I want to point out that Google Photos now has a desktop app for the Mac that will let you automatically sync your Mac photos to it. And it will. It'll back them up. Um, it's at photos.google.com slash apps. And then you click on desktop uploader. One thing I will point out, though, is and I, I ran this and am running it and it it works and it works with your photos library, which is a good thing. However, when it starts up and it automatically finds your things, you can add any folder you want to it and it'll parse through it and, and do all that stuff. Uh, it also finds your iPhoto library. It is not clear whether that is your old iPhoto library or your photos library misnamed inside the app, you know, inside the Google preferences or list of things. So I removed that and then pointed it manually to my photos library. And it does. It backs everything up just fine. And Google, uh, Google photos is interesting. It offers you free storage, unlimited storage. If you are willing to back up with slightly compressed photos. And the reason for that is partially storage, but not really. I, I think it's more about, they want to process your photos and it's, it is cool. Just like Flickr, you know, you can, once you've got your photos up there, you can say, I want to find pictures of vehicles and it'll show you pictures of cars and bikes and airplanes and, and all that stuff without you ever having tagged your photos. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So uh, you don't get that if you do the raw photo or not raw photos, but uncompressed photos. Um, if you just send up what you have, it doesn't go through that processing and you don't get that benefit uh, and you have to pay for more than your normal 15 gigs of, of storage on Google. So, so I'm testing that too, and it seems to be working just fine. So thank you for the, uh, for the heads up on that, Lars. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, actually. Thanks to someone. I don't know if it was uh, Brian Monroe in the chat room or John or somebody else that already put it in the show notes. So thank you very much. Awesome stuff having you folks help us out with all this. And it seems like uh, while, we're, while we're on the topic of helping out, it seems like the chapters are working this way. With uh, Unfortunately, I, don't, I haven't figured out how to have you folks in the live stream help me do the chapters while we're doing it because the time is kept here for the, uh, for the running clock of the show. There's, there's probably some way to sync time, but um, for now, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's still on me, but I've got that keyboard maestro shortcut, so it works. It's good stuff. Uh, let's see. Lastly, let's on the, in the tips section. Well, lastly, in the pre-prep tips section, I don't know if we have anything else out here. Uh, Joe has something to add and he says, I had to pass along in the past year. I've had three external Seagate 750 gig to two terabyte hard drives die after this last one seemingly died yesterday, lights flashing, unrecognizable, etc., And the requisite cable swaps didn't work. I once again resorted to Google Foo and found a thread dealing with rack mounted drives and their power supplies crapping out. So I figured why not? and switched the 12-volt power supply from a Seagate drive that I know works. And what do you know? All my seemingly dead drives are working just fine. New, new power supplies are on their way from Amazon at this very moment. Good to know, Joe. Yeah, yeah. When, there's, when it's an external drive, there's two things involved. There's, well, there's many things involved, but, but in an easy-to-fix easy sense, there's two things involved. There's the case, which, which has the interface and the power supply in it, and then the, the drive, the mechanism itself. And if, uh, if you have problems with one of those, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other is a problem. And in this case, new power supplies get Joe access to not only his drives, but whatever data is on them that 
he didn't otherwise have access to. So that's a good thing. Huh. I know. So I remember long ago they had, I think it was Time Capsule. Uh, they had a run of those. Mm. Had, I think, yeah, both you and I, but the, the one that, one of the first ones that we bought that was kind of yep. not that great. Yep. Um, I remember they actually did have a, a program. I actually was uh, included in that, but I chose not to swap it out because it was working fine. Sure. Well, it was working to the best of its ability. Well, put it that way. Yeah, right. It was working <laughs> as designed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, in the in our pre-show discussion, John, I was moaning about uh, like I had to quit Safari or I chose to quit Safari after I had set up all of my tabs for the show. And 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 as I mentioned, I keep the timestamps, I keep the the show notes going and then I have some other things open uh, stuff for sponsors and, and even things we're going to mention kind of all tabbed out so I don't have to launch them and find them while we're we're doing the, the show. And I, I figured, well, I'll quit Safari and just relaunch it and then everything will come back and nothing came back. I'm like, oh man, you know, and I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I just reopened all these tabs. It wasn't a huge deal, but I thought, wait a minute, you know, it it does this on my other Mac. Why isn't it doing it here? And I dug around and John and I were on, you know, chatting while I was doing this and I dug around in Safari's preferences. I'm like, where's that checkbox that says reopen all my, my stuff. And I couldn't find it. And John, you pointed out to me that it does not live in Safari's preferences or any individual app's preferences, or at least not any Apple app's individual preferences. It is in system preferences under general. And there's a checkbox that says close windows when quitting an app. And for me, I had checked it. Now I'm sure I had intentionally done that at some point in time. I can't, it seems familiar. I can't remember why, of course, because right now I don't want it checked. So I unchecked it. And, and of course now that problem is completely solved. But uh, but it is one of those hidden little gems. So, boy, that was driving me nuts because, yeah, I had a situation where I'm like, I don't want to see what was here before. And I yeah. couldn't find it like you. I thought, well, it's got to be in Safari. And it's like, no, it's general. Well, as it, as it said, it's general system behavior. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a poorly placed. Uh, it's, no, a- it's a global setting. It, it, yeah i mean i get it i guess I, I get it i get why it's there yeah 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 it just was you know unintuitive at in the moment but that's why we're here that's why we do what we do that's why we can do what we do for for 10 years so it's a it's a good thing let's um let's go to let's see if we can make dave work here and see what uh see what he says Hey, Dave and John. It is Dave Cook from Sargates. How are you guys? Um, I just have a relatively quick um, comment about um, the Apple Music uh, situation going on. I just heard another, well, I heard your dissertation on it on the latest episode, Dave. Um, but there's they're all over the place, discussions of Apple Music. I haven't really dove into it yet. I, um, uh, I'm signed up for the trial and... Um, I'm streaming to my iOS devices and all that, and it seems to be working relatively well. But that's uh, what I'm really calling about is um, Spotify, because there's a feature in it that I don't think I've ever heard anyone discuss on any of uh, in any of these discussions or in any of the tech podcasts I listen to. Um, And I've been a premium Spotify subscriber since the day it came available here in the states, but. when I first signed up, 
and uh, it, 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 I can't even remember the details, but basically it looked at my iTunes library. I think it asked me, and then I, it looked at my iTunes library and took all the metadata and uh, imported, well, basically um, in my Spotify playlist, I had an iTunes playlist and I looked within iTunes and, and sorry, I looked within that iTunes playlist and there were all my playlists and all my music, all meaning the majority of it. Um, I guess there was some DRM stuff that wasn't showing up or just the titles were, but they were grayed out. You probably know about this, but I just wanted to point it out that um, because of that, I've been very happy with um, using it as my uh, library on my iOS devices. I don't really keep much music on any of them except for some uh, specific songs I need um, when I'm you know, doing a show and uh, I need to test the systems and stuff like that which I usually run from my laptop anyway. So, but if there's something specifically in my library that I wanted to listen to, um, and I didn't want to necessarily search for, or there's a playlist that I have. I have a couple of pre-show playlists that I use. Um, it shows up within Spotify and, um, and it streams directly from there. Anyway, I think I'm making that clear, but as I said, you probably know about it, but it's a very nifty feature within Spotify. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, you're you know what? You're absolutely right. And, uh, and, and this is similar to, though, not exactly the same, of course, as what Apple is currently calling the iCloud music library, where when you sign up for Apple Music, it it essentially well, it does. It takes most of your iTunes library and makes it it matches it, for lack of a better term, to uh, Apple stuff in the cloud or uploads it if if, in fact, uh, they don't have that same tune so that you have access to all your music everywhere. And yeah, Spotify does that. It, I found it a little wonky with, with Spotify when I first tested it. Clearly you're having a uh, extremely good experience with it, which is great. Um, I think my experience with it was, was minimal only because I put a minimal amount of effort into, into making it happen. It, it just wasn't a priority for me, largely because I tested Spotify and then my, um, my daughter took over our, our Spotify account. And so it wasn't, it's, I mean, I still have it, but it's not really mine in that I don't use it regularly because, because uh, of all that. So, uh, so thanks Dave. That's good stuff, man. On the subject of iTunes and all of that, Brad has a question. Brad says, I was wondering what you think about mastered for iTunes. Uh, I can definitely hear a big difference, especially on older stuff recorded tape rather than digitally recorded. I just bought Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the super deluxe edition, and it sounds crystal clear. The same goes for the Beatles box set. I've heard all the Beatles records a million times and they never sounded clearer. There's so much detail in there that I've never noticed before. It would be great if the iTunes music store would make it easier to find all the mastered for I mastered for iTunes stuff. Do you know much about what that means in terms of how it works? I know a little bit about what it means. Uh, mastered for iTunes is a specific label applied when a song is mastered or an album, of course, is mastered in a specific way by a certified engineer. Uh, there is a whole section on Apple's website that will let you dig into exactly what that specific way is. Uh, and then also the process of getting certified. That's uh, that that's the real trick. So anyone can can master songs this way. And in fact, Apple encourages you to do so when you're submitting to the iTunes store, whether or not you're a certified engineer or using a certified engineer. Uh, but only 
certified sound production houses. And I believe each engineer themselves has to be specifically certified in order for that label to apply. Apple says um, it's, it's basically Apple's way of saying we've gotten these files to distribute to you, the user, you know, in a way that pretty much guarantees you'll get what the artist and engineer intended. Um, I'll correct one bit there. I'm going to say artist and or engineer, because in many cases, the master for iTunes tracks have not been brought back through the artist's approval process. It's, it's just the engineer that's doing it. And, uh, and, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just is, it is the thing. So yeah, this is a, it's a very interesting, um, it's, a, it's an interesting process and, and it, it's a good process. I mean, Apple really explains how they want you to send them songs again, whether or not you are certified by them, you can see all of the details here and, and how it all works. They've got a bunch of PDFs and, and tools that you can use to create the files. Apple likes to have a lot of headroom in the files uh, so that there's no, uh, so that you're not cutting off any peaks. Uh, they also like to have the files at a much higher uh, bit rate and sample rate than they would ever distribute them so that they can do the conversion down to 256 bit AAC in a way that they know is going to preserve. Frankly, most I, I've done a lot of testing AB testing blind AB they call it ABX testing uh, of of tracks and I've done the raw uh, you know the, the uncompressed audio direct from the source as well as the the files either from Apple or even just that I've created with iTunes on my own using Apple's you know or, or Apple's tools using their their methods and on very few tracks can I tell the difference between the real track, you know, the uncompressed track and the, um, and the 256 KAC. It, I mean, it's a, it's a really high quality process that, that it goes through. There are some that I can tell the difference on without question, but you really have to learn how to, how to listen for that. Uh, and it's not a universal thing. It's, it's only very specific tracks where I can, I can, you know, reliably tell the difference, but there is a cool tool. If you want to, if you want to play with that, a little bit tangential. It's called uh, ABX Tester, and it is available on both the Mac and on iTunes. So it's uh, it's it's fun stuff, you know. It's how it works. So we'll put a link to to that in the show notes. I think I just found a weird thing for it, but anyway, it's free, so you can you can have fun with it and all that good okay. stuff. You meant yes. PC, right? What's that? You said for Mac and iTunes. Did you mean for Mac and, and Windows? No, no, sorry. For Mac and iOS devices. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can do this on your iPhone. You can run an ABX tester on your iPhone. Okay. Now, the, the, so do you see a badge when, when you're looking at the... Uh, is there a badge that says Master for iTunes? Yes. Um, uh, when okay. you're looking in the store. Yeah. Ah, okay. Never noticed that before. Yeah, it's not on, uh, you know, obviously it's not on everything, but it's on, it's on many things. It's just how it works, you know, it's good stuff. And, and it is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, it but it's not, like, again, um, it doesn't have to be, um, you could get the same quality level, I guess is what I'm trying to say, even if it doesn't have the badge, you just have to have someone who knows what they're doing. And is willing to follow Apple's uh, guidelines or understand Apple's guidelines and follow them appropriately and, and or not follow them. 
in the right places. But it's it it helps you to understand what Apple's going to do with these files after you hand them to them. And that way you can help to preserve what it is you want to do. It's I mean, it, it it's completely different scenario, but it's like the old days when. If you handed a file or a, a track, it, it wasn't necessarily a file to an FM radio station. You you had to do that knowing full well that they were going to compress the crap out of that file. Now, I don't mean uh, data compression. I mean, audio compression. They're going to take the the peaks and the valleys and squish them together so that it sounds good over an FM radio. And, and it sounds good when you're in your car and, and there's road noise underneath it. All that stuff was going to happen. And and you knew that. But if you were like a kid, like like I was at one point in time and you recorded a tune in your basement and you convinced the local FM station to play your stuff. And then you played it and it was like, gosh, it doesn't quite sound right. Why you found out that, Oh, because they compress it. And so you need to think about that ahead of time and, and get them the stuff. And, and it's the same kind of thing, albeit a very different um, end result. That is the same is what's happening with this. You need to know what Apple's going to do with these files. Once you give them to them, and then knowing that you can sort of backtrack out and say, all right, I want to set it up this way so that when they do what they're going to do, it actually still sounds great. And that's totally possible. Does that make sense? Yep. Sweet. All right. Uh, we do have another iTunes question. This one came, uh, actually I found it on Facebook this morning, just as I was eating my breakfast and uh, one of my favorite uh, programmers, and actually his company, uh, Barebones Software, has sponsored this show for a long time. They are still sponsors of Mac Geek Gab here. But Rich Siegel wrote, he said, uh, this seems a lot harder than it ought to be, but I'll ask. I have all of my iTunes, all of my music in iTunes on my desktop computer. I want to play this music through my iPad when I'm not in the same room as the desktop computer. I have turned on share my library on my local network in the iTunes preferences, but the music app on iPad does not show the library being shared from the desktop machine. My laptop can, however. I can't figure out if there's an explicit gesture in the music app on the iPad to connect it to the shared library. I have turned on home sharing using the same account credentials on both the iPad and the desktop machine. This seems to only allow the iPad to see purchased content, movies and music, that are on the desktop machine. This is a tiny subset of the music I have and an even tinier subset of the music that I want to play on the iPad. Do I need to sign up for iTunes match? I'd rather not. Did I miss something really obvious? Probably, but I can't see it. And uh, many people chimed in on this. The, the, the first comment is correct. Music home sharing in iOS 8.4 is gone. It will be back in iOS nine. And Apple has made this clear. Uh, Apple music with iCloud music library enabled would allow this too, albeit in a slightly different way. Um, and it, and, and it would likely solve it long enough. You know, you get three months free with Apple music. And so it would likely solve it long enough to get you to the point where you're at iOS nine and then can do your home sharing thing and don't have to worry about it. And you could cancel your Apple music subscription. Rich replied um, quite succinctly that he would rather stay away from anything with the name iCloud attached to it. Um, I can I can understand why specifically with Rich, uh, he you know went through that with Yojimbo, trying to do iCloud syncing with that, and it you know failed miserably because iCloud documents and data wasn't built to sync that way or that kind of data. So um, so I see I understand why Rich would rather not. 
But uh, but that is the issue. So if you're trying to do that, just bear that in mind. Mm. Important stuff. Yeah. I recently had a streaming issue too, Dave. What was your streaming issue, John? I'm going to tell you how I solved it. And it makes me sad. <laughs> so I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to watch a flick that I have stored uh, on my Synology. And of course, uh, Synology offers a video station. Yeah. You can run it from a browser or you can run it from iOS. And so I decided to run it from iOS. So you know, I selected the movie and then clicked on uh, one of the icons that lets you choose the destination. And uh, Apple TV wasn't there. I'm like, you know, I looked up, huh. see my Apple TV there. The light's on. Yeah. Seems to be working. Like, help, you know what? <laughs> Did a restart of the Apple TV? Ta-da! It then appeared on the list. I don't know. It, it just got into some weird state where, I, I mean, it was definitely seeing the network. I mean, I could stream content. It's just my local network didn't realize that it was there. Yeah, huh? I, I went. So you probably need to do what many of us have done. We've talked about it on the show, but it's, again, it's one of those things that doesn't sink in until you have you experience it. Uh, I had that problem so regularly that what I had to do was in my I use one of those uh, Logitech Harmony Ultimate Harmony One Ultimate or Harmony Ultimate One remotes. It's awesome. Uh and it, it allows you to kind of script things and, and start up devices for activities and all that great stuff that the Harmony remotes have always done. I had to add a reset command for my Apple TV <laughs> to every startup of the TV. Otherwise, it was unreliable every, you know, certainly every 50% of the time, perhaps even more than that. And, and I just learned to live with it as had the family. It was like, oh, yeah, you just and I had even added like Apple TV has a remote control reset command that you can send to it. And it, it's not even, it's not to, to, to complete the analogy. It's not reset dot, 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 right? It's reset. There's no, are you sure you want to reset when you send this command? It resets immediately. Uh, so it's handy because we would, we had it. I just had it added to the home screen of our, our deal and it wouldn't work. I just hit it and boom, everything worked. It was fine. And it's also solved. Not only did it solve the inbound stuff, like you were talking about, you know, when you're pushing to it, but it also solved the pull stuff where, you, uh, you know, you want to try and stream a movie from like Netflix or, you know, Amazon or what, what well, maybe not, I don't know because you can't do Amazon there, but whatever it is, you know, if you're trying to stream movies and, and buy movies, it just wouldn't work. Anyway, Allison Sheridan of the Nozilla cast at podfeet.com solved this problem. And the problem is simple or the solution is simple. It's, um, it's uh, and I'm trying to look here. I have the article in front of me. There was you, you hold. So this is it's weird. Uh, you hold the menu and down arrow on your main Apple TV remote, like the, the, the clunky little one that comes with it. You hold me menu and down arrow for six seconds. After six seconds, you let go. The Apple TV will restart and this problem is gone. So it is some sort of magic restart that your Apple TV does probably clears some caches on it, to be honest with you. And, and that once we did that, that's it. it. I mean, this problem has not recurred. Maybe, maybe we've seen it once in, in six months or something, but it's, it's not like, you know, not like it was. So, so there you go. That's what you need to do. And then this problem won't come back for you, John. Magic restart. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or the secret. 
Yeah. The secret handshake. Yeah. I think she called <laughs> Apple care to, to get this. Yeah. It was Apple tech support. So she called Apple care to, you know, ask them about this and they're like, Oh, you have to do this. She's like, yeah, but I've reset it already. And the guy's like, well, all right, but really you should try this. <laughs> and sure enough. Solve the problem. Yeah. Got me because I, I, again, and you may ask, well, how, how did you know it was on the network? John? Right. And I'm going to tell you just very quickly when you, uh, with the current version of airport utility, you start up airport utility and then you hover over a device and you may have more than one wireless device. Or I'm sorry, if you click on it once, it'll sit there and chug for a bit and it'll say wireless clients. And the thing is I saw Apple dash TV. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, something sees it. <laughs> It's just my other iOS device didn't see it. I don't know. All right. Brian, hang on. Do that when we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were moving us on. I wanted, I, I wanted to say one thing. Brian Monroe in the chat room says, uh, he recommends connecting your Apple TV, uh, via USB to your Mac and get a new image for it. I haven't been through that process, but mm. I, I bet that would solve it too. I mean, you're wiping it totally clean. That's a, I, 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 now that you say it, Brian Monroe, I vaguely remember knowing that this was possible, but it was certainly not top of mind. I never would have thought to do this, uh, probably until the Apple TV was, you know, dark and dead and, and I was trying everything. So Brian says that'll fix it for sure. So that's uh, he's been through it before. And it makes sense that that, too, will clean out whatever caches get cleaned with this magic reset, probably. And then some. So I will. So maybe maybe that's your answer, John. Fun stuff. That's crazy talk. Well, well I yeah, I don't know you could do that. I, exactly. Yeah, same. Well, that's right. There is a USB diagnostic. Oh, I thought it was just diagnostic. Okay. Yeah. The USB thing. Huh? Who would have known? Well, now you know, and, and we know, and, and I know. Everybody knows. <laughs> Our second sponsor for this show is Linda at L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. That link gets you access to 10 days free of Linda's awesome training videos. I mean, these folks, if you haven't seen one of these videos yet, just go to that link, sign up and, and, and watch some, this is the future of education folks. And, and it's not, you don't have to invest a ton of time or money, frankly, uh, Linda, you get 10 days for free. Yes. But after that, it's 25 bucks a month is where the plan starts. And that's just unlimited access. You get access to all their videos for that. If you want to, Let's say you want to learn Final Cut Pro. There's a course for that. Um, you you want to learn, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Let's look at some of these. JavaScript for web designers. jQuery for web designers. Foundations of UX. Content strategy. You're coming up with a design for a site. It's, you know, understanding some of how the pros think about this stuff is really helpful. That's the thing you learn when you go to school. Linda is going to, Linda is like going to school, except you get to stay at home. You get to do it when you want and you get to learn at your own pace. You don't have to wait for other students in the class. If you want to move at, you know, the fastest pace possible, that's fine. Similarly, if you want to move at a slower pace, you can pause the teacher and play around and, and even rewind the teacher and say, well, say that again. And they will literally say it again. You have transcripts that go through like, like word by word. If there's something like, wait a minute, what did the teacher say there? You can actually read it. It's like sing along with Mitch, but you get it right there. They have chapters, course materials, and these courses aren't hugely long uh, necessarily either. Right. You know, it just depends on what the course is. This foundations of, uh, of user experience, 46 minutes 
well, 46 minutes and 23 seconds, but what's 23 seconds between friends, right? 46 minutes. This isn't like you have to invest days to learn this stuff. And they'll show you the chapters. You know, you can look at this stuff before you ever press play. And in fact, you can even look at like a little snippet of the course before you even sign up. Although there's no reason not to sign up. Lynda.com slash MGG gets you signed up for 10 days for free. It's really fantastic what they do here with these things. Uh, they're just some of the best uh, courses that I've, I've ever experienced. They have really, really professional teachers filmed professionally, produced professionally. This is top quality stuff. This isn't some dude on YouTube showing you how to do something. The dudes on YouTube sometimes know stuff, but man, it is often painful watching you know, the crummily filmed and crummily produced stuff that, uh, that somebody, you know, hacks together. There's nothing hacked together about what Linda does. You got to check this out. It's really good. And then there's things like, uh, you know, courses about going paperless. You want to do that? Two hours and 17 minutes start to finish is how to go paperless. And this is, this is taught by Susanna Kay, fantastic teacher. She really knows what she's doing here. You want to learn about managing your time. Todd DeWitt, I believe he's a college professor because I've watched some of his stuff. He, he, he does a lot of their business skills. Uh, he's got an 11-minute a, a course about managing your time. If that course was four hours long, there'd be something wrong with it, right? This is 11 minutes, 11 seconds. That's how you learn how to manage your time. You got to check this out. I, I, I implore you, just watch one course. Sign up for your trial, lynda.com. It's the summertime. So you're probably, you know, in relaxed mode, you're, you're chilled out a little bit. You know, we're all still doing our work and whatever, but you might have a little bit of time. Take 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Watch this managing your time course with Todd do it uh, and tell us what you think. But you got to go to lynda.com slash MGG first. That's where you're going to sign up for your free trial and then uh, watch a course and tell us what you think. We'd love to hear about it. And thanks so much to Linda for, uh, for sponsoring this show. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to have them on board as a sponsor. It works very well. It fits because the goal is for us all to learn at least three new things. That's what we said at the beginning of the show. Well, Linda is an easy way to check off at least one of those. You could check off all three if you wanted. I think we should go see Bob here now, John, because Bob has an interesting question. If I can find Bob in our, in our thing here, I should learn how to use search, John. I'm fumbling around. Bob says something is always running in the background. You know, task X is doing something, but OS 10 can't tell. We went through this in the last show, didn't we? Like we already did Bob. I feel like we did Bob. Did we do Bob already, John? I think it was on the list. I don't know if we got around to it. All right. I do not believe so. Yeah, it's quick, quick and easy, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, I know, I know why this seems familiar. No, we didn't do it in the show, but I think I, uh, I published an article about it. That's why it seems familiar. Uh, Bob asks, how do I tell what's keeping my Mac from sleeping? Because sometimes it's doing stuff in the background that's fine, and sometimes it's doing stuff in the background that's actually keeping my Mac from falling asleep. And you can, you can do this. Uh, and, and as I mentioned, we did, we published an article about it and I updated the article this week. PM going to the terminal and typing PM set space dash G will give you a big long list of things, 
But the thing you're looking for is a line labeled sleep. Now, normally what PM set does is allows you to see or set your energy management settings. It's the thing that gets controlled by the energy saver system preference pane. So you're going to see some of the stuff there that you see in energy saver, although it's displayed a lot more uh, graphically in energy saver, but you'll see all these things and more. But the one you're looking for is sleep. And it will tell you how long your system is set to sleep. And then if something is imposing sleep on your machine, because an app can do this in parentheses after the amount of time that it is set to wait before it goes to sleep, it will tell you, for example, when I, when I did my little thing here, I was, I happened to be, when I prep Mac Geekab, I'm always playing audio and it says sleep prevented by core audio D comma iTunes. Aha. Perfect. So I know if I pause iTunes and I run this command again, it goes away. Great. Now I know nothing is impeding sleep on my Mac. Handy little utility. It's not always going to tell you everything, but it's probably 90% of what you need to know. We'll put a link to the uh, updated article in the show notes too. Wow. Mine's very repetitive. <laughs> is it? Well, I'm looking on my mini. And so I just went in the terminal and I said uh, PM set space dash G and it says sleep prevented by core audio D comma core audio D comma core audio D <laughs> like okay and then ab, com dot apple dot serve comma com dot apple. It, it's, it's it's repeating itself well mine is doing Whatever. that too but I, my guess is it's because you and I have many things currently running through core audio we have Skype oh, yeah, running piezo right Skype and wow what's the third hmm. well so for mine I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight instances of core audio D running, all of which are imposing or impeding sleep as they should. I, I wouldn't want my Mac to go to sleep while we're on Skype and recording this podcast. Oh, I, well, I mean, I, I'm recording the show. I'm, re I'm pulling your data in. I'm on Skype. I'm sending out to NiceCast. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on, but that's good. That's how it, I mean, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's good. All right. Where are we here? What's next? Oh, Justin. Quick question from Justin. Justin asks. I think I, I, think I, can, I can do this from, uh, from memory without even having to pull it up here. But Justin asks, what app should I look at for syncing two local folders on a local network? Or two folders on a local network. So presumably two folders... Uh, or uh, on two different Macs, but they're on a local network. The easy answer for me is BitTorrent Sync. It really is uh, the best way to do that. Your data never leaves your network unless you take one of the machines off the network and then it will magically follow you uh, to that computer. It's all uh, encrypted. It's all really fast. It's all very reliable. Uh, I've been using BitTorrent Sync for a, a long time and uh, it's... It's the way to, it's the way to do it. So have you used, have you been using BitTorrent Sync, John? No. Oh, really? So I have it installed on my Synology and I have my documents folder synced mm. to everything and it happens all locally here. It's pretty awesome. And it's really simple. It's just, I mean, it, you just install it and set up a folder and then that's that. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, adding to my Synology. It's getting kind of full, believe it or not, with all the videos and the backups and all the other stuff I have on there. That's good. 
So, you know, I was trying actually to add uh, to match the drives in there, Dave. So right now it has a two and a two and a half. Okay. The two and a half I got because the two I had, which was under warranty, was dying. And so they sent me a replacement. Yep. And they sent me a two and a half. And I'm like, mm, okay, that's nice. Sure. The problem is with the, the way their rate is with two drives, um, it's like, well, we're just going to give you two. But then I decided, hey, you know what? I want to get one of these. Uh, I want to kind of balance. I, I want balance in the force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, huh, let me let me buy a two and a half. Let, let me, you know, let me punch in the model number. Let me buy a two and a half. And I found a place and I ordered it and I wasn't hearing anything from them for a while. It's a vendor I hadn't dealt with. And I called them and they're like, oh, yeah, that drive's been discontinued. I'm like, oh, man, because they had a good price and everything. And they're like, but we'll give you a three. Yeah. I'm like, ah, well, I'm going to be out of balance again, but at least now I'll have two and a half available to me right. instead of two. Just buy, <laughs> you should buy like a four or a five, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, why, why, uh, why limit yourself to three? Well, I wanted to match the two and a half. I know, but, but it, you're going to have to go past that. So go way past right, it. Right, right. You know what I mean? And then, and then catch yourself up down the road. Yeah, when you buy the the second five and then suddenly, okay, well, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, BitTorrent Sync will do it. Uh, it, it, there is a, uh, a free version as well as a, a paid version. The free version will allow you to do this. It, uh, I believe lets you have 10 different, completely discrete synced folders. All of the subfolders within those are counted as, w- you know, one. So, um, this would use what you're talking about here is using a one synced folder. So you could do it with nine others. So yeah, it, uh, the free version is more than enough for what you're looking at doing there. It's great stuff. Really, really easy. And, and all of that. You have anything else to add, John, before, uh, before I take us to Kevin? Kevin asks, this may seem like a dumb question, but it's driving me crazy. I use pages. And when I create a new document, the icon assigned to that document is from the old blue pen version of pages. It would be nice when I'm looking through a uh, number of documents that I could see there's su- if they're super old or not. But more than anything else, it's just a little thing that annoys the heck out of me. Please note that the pages icon itself in my doc is okay. I note also that when I double click on the document, the correct newest version of pages does open. So I believe that there is a cache that needs to be rebuilt. And the easiest way to do it is with Onyx. Uh, Go to Onyx, go to cleaning or launch Onyx, go to cleaning, go to user, go to dock icons, and then tell it to clear that out. Uh, If, however, you want to do it the, the, uh, I I was going to say the hard way, but it's not really hard. It's just uh, using the terminal. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Again, it's, uh, we find ourselves linking to Mr. Craig Hockenberry's Furbo.com about cleaning the icon services cache in Yosemite. And it is, it's uh it's, there's a file that's sort of buried in there named, uh, well, there's several of them, but it's com.apple.doc.icon cache and then uh, com.apple.icon services. And then in caches, com.apple.icon services.store. And then you restart your Mac and it rebuilds your icon cache. And in fact, Kevin wrote us back and he did it the hard way or the terminal way and said it totally solved his problem. So sweet, good stuff. It's good stuff, John. You ever been through that? 
On occasion, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those caches just get filthy dirty. They do. You got to clean them. Terry asks, I think you mentioned having a screen protector for your iPhone. Which one do you have? Did I also hear that you have one for your Apple Watch? I've got one of those spec bumpers for my watch, and I really like it. Like you, I didn't think I would like it, but it has come in quite handy to protect my watch at the gym. Um, the, uh, the Apple watch one is that I have is glass. I, I there, honestly, I find no reason to use the plastic, uh, screen protectors anymore. It's, uh, there, there's just no reason. Um, these, the glass is, is really inexpensive. Um, but the, uh, the, the one for the Apple watch that I have is called the tech armor flexiglass and it works great. I really, really like it. And, um, you know, I've had no trouble with touching it or, or anything like that. It, it just works well. So that's, uh, that's what I have on the watch. And I think you can get it for oh, 10 or 11 bucks. I mean, it's just not, it's just not bad. And, uh, and there's that now, as far as for my iPhone, I have, I believe on there, the one that I have right now is the roll on kit from pure tech. Um, and here's the thing. It, it's great. It, and, and the installation of it is simple because they have this cool roll-on kit and all of that stuff. And uh, it's, you know, antibacterial and anti-glare and all of that great stuff. And I like it. But here's the thing. Um, if you're willing to experiment, the Chinese now have tons of... Uh, glass knockoffs, if you will, but there's not really knockoffs. I mean, they're just, it's just glass shields and you can get them on Amazon for, you know, like six bucks or something. Uh, sometimes you pay 10 and you get like three of them for your iPhone six plus or something. So, and they all work great. We've used, we use them at the house uh, all the time. So I, they're, if it were me and often it is that has to go and buy one of these glass shields for my device a year ago, the option was you got to spend like 30 to 50 bucks. Now you can do it for like six. So I just search Amazon for glass shield and I, you know, find one that I believe is going to get shipped to me within the next, you know, time because sometimes the Chinese stuff comes really slowly, but, uh, but you can find it and it's, and it's cheap and, and, but it just works. There's, I mean, I've had, we've had no trouble with it whatsoever. So do you use a glass shield on your phone, John? I was going to say, no, my phones are, are my devices are, are for the most part naked. Wow. The nice part about the glass shield is it feel, it still feels naked. Um, it, you know, that it, I mean, you're touching a piece of glass. It looks like a piece of glass because it is a piece of glass. Uh, but it, it does protect your screen from getting scratched. And the glass, yeah. it's, it's just so much better. And it was, you know, when I had to spend 40 bucks on them, it was worth it. But now that I can do it for six, uh, that's also worth it. And slightly better way. <laughs> that's what I, that's yeah, what the I only think thing I have on my phone is the uh, Apple leather case. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, of course now something terrible is going to happen, but I have never broken the screen on any of my devices. I've dropped them a couple times. Sure. Usually, uh, but they've only fallen on a uh, carpet. Fortunately, no, no hard surface. Okay. So of course now, as soon as we're done, right. we're drop everything. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, what else do we have? I think we're, 
I'm trying to look to see if there's anything. Is there any one thing you want to you want to come back with, John? Here. Um. Yeah, we could we could talk about Joe because I think he actually followed up. Take if you want to take us to Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, Joe was an interesting one. So uh, let me get Joe up here. Um. And he, he's reported something that I've, I've seen elsewhere. So he said, uh, Joe writes and says, I've been having trouble shooting my dad's... I, I think he means troubleshooting. Okay, I guess he's, he's using <laughs> slang. <laughs> At first, I'm like, well, yeah, if you're shooting your dad's Mac Mini, that, that's a problem. Well, it depends but, um, on what the no, trouble so is. Is the, gun, is the gun getting uh, jammed up? I mean, do you need to clean it? I don't know what the thing is. <laughs> so he's troubleshooting his dad's Mac Mini for about a week now. He's gotten to the point that every time he went to use the Mac, it would be non-functional. And, uh, it was running wide open, fans going full blast just out in left field, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> John knows left field well. Just going to point that out. Really? Oh, all right. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so what he did, he uh, did a number of things. Uh, ran this utility and I assume, you know, tried to do repairs, start up in safe mode, which is always good because that clears out cruft. Um, run in the admin account for validation of issues updated from 10.8.x to 10.10 Ooh, hmm. I don't know if that was well why not uh, and run Onyx to clear out all the caches which uh, we just mentioned sure that was a good thing to do having done all this it's, re- it's been running fine all week uh, and then we went from the admin account back to the user account individually turn things back and on uh, to verify stability. And then what happened last night was that turn to the last item before returning it to him uh, was display sleep. Uh, he had set it along with computer sleep to never. But what would happen is that after 15 minutes would elapse, the machine went zonkers and the fans ramped up to wide open again. Huh. All right. I think that pretty much sums up the problem here. I'll give you the supposed solution, but I think I know what the problem is. So okay. what he noticed, and, and someone else had noticed this as well, or I had noticed this in their logs here. So um, he noticed a line here that said, universal access D, zoom error, unexpected screensaver end. Now we had someone else write in also with display oddness. Yeah. It sounds like he's having display oddness here. And I had not really noticed this in the past here. So one thing you may want to do is if you're running into display issues. So if you go into system preferences, accessibility, display, there's some there's a settings here that complement what you're going to find in the display system preference proper. There's invert colors, use grayscale, differentiate without color, a whole, whole bunch of things that are for accessibility reasons. But I'm wondering if one of those settings maybe causing the machine to do some weird not sleep activity or wake up activity. So a place to look that I had not expected in the past. Cause at first I was like, well, what's universal access D I'm like, Oh, okay. That's accessibility. So for some reason that that process is, is getting upset or it could be a bug. But the other thing that you can do here, and they specifically suggest this here, Dave, so there's something no, known as an SMC reset. SMC, of course, being System Management Controller, which is, I believe, some magic chip inside of 
most Macs, the uh, sometimes gets confused, and you may have to reset it. And they specifically say in the article, oh, um, by the way, if your fans are running up when they shouldn't be, try to reset the SMC. Mm. And in the case of the Mac Mini, it's as simple as removing the power cord, I think, for 15 seconds is what they say. So I guess that, that drains the uh, capacitor or whatever that's uh, maintaining the state of that, and then it resets it. Unfortunately, uh, he got back to us and said that that, um, that actually made matters worse. <laughs> So I would lean to it perhaps being now a hardware issue because that's basically a, a kind of a software reset thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So SMC. Yes. And, and, and the, I'm actually, I think they've enhanced the article because they go into a number of uh, situations, uh, mostly energy related, I think, or sleep or wake related where uh, the SMC, if it's, if it's uh, malfunctioning, uh, could cause this behavior. <clears throat> that works. That's that's what I got. That's what you've got. All right. Well, let's hope it works for him. You said it did work, or we don't know, or no? He said it, it put the machine in a worse state. Oh, nice. That's perfect. <laughs> that's uh, that's outstanding. <laughs> but if anything, it verifies that. Uh, well, I, I guess it, it helped determine that it was in fact not a. Uh, you know, not a software thing. Sure. So I don't think it's a software thing. So it could be that the, the hardware shot, there could yeah. be some, you know, whacked uh, sensor inside of there. It the could. only other time I've heard this, ha- heard of this happening. And, you know, I'm wondering if it could be that is, um, you know, if you got a heat sensor in the machine that all of a sudden believes that uh, something is getting very hot, it's like, well, you know, this machine's getting hot. I better spin those fans up to full blast. <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know. I don't know, man. Let's do one quick one last uh, from Mark here, and, and, and then we'll wrap things up. Mark asks, a few shows ago, you were talking about external batteries. Most years, I take a seven-day biking camping trip, and some days there are no there is no electricity overnight to charge our cell phones. I came across the Anchor Astro E7 25,600 milliamp hour external battery, I know you can't possibly know every product out there, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on it or if your other listeners have suggestions. So I have not used the Anchor batteries, however, or at least not that one, but I have used other products from Anchor and they are fantastic. I would consider them best in class when it comes to power. They were the first ones to do what they call Power IQ, which was the ability to send two amps of power to any device plugged into any port which is not trivial because uh, you can't just send two amps of power to any device without knowing it can take it. And so uh, what happens is there needs to be a handshake and the handshake is different for iOS devices versus Android devices, which is why a lot of battery, battery, battery manufacturers and even power supply manufacturers uh, have to go through this. You've got to go through these gyrations and, or you, you have to buy one model that's for an iPhone and it has this port for this, speed charging in this port for this speed charging and don't use the wrong one and yada yada well anchor solved that and um, their uh, five-way 40 watt power supply uh, that i use when i travel is absolutely essential to me because i have five usb ports and they all can go to 2.1 amps depending on what's plugged into them and they're just happy to sort it all out it's got what they call power iq so 
when it comes to batteries, I would absolutely trust Anchor, especially if you're truly going to be, you know, detached from the world and really have to rely on it. Um, two other brands of batteries that I've used, and I think you've used at least one of these, John, uh, that I would rely on in the same way are Tilt, T-Y-L-T, and Monoprice. I've used batteries from from those two companies, again, with um, with absolute confidence. It's really, really great stuff, and and they know what they're doing. So those are... Those are the three companies It you know, unlike glass shields, I would be careful buying batteries from unknown vendors. They're probably going to be fine, but uh, the quality control is really what you're paying a little bit extra for. I feel. And when it comes to relying on a battery, um, you know, if you're buying a 25,000 milliamp hour battery, you actually want it to provide you somewhere in the neighborhood of say 25,000 milliamps of power. Uh, if you buy a 25,000 milliamp hour battery in one of them, or you buy two of them from some, you know, offshore vendor, uh, that's uh, nameless. And one of them is 25,000 and the other is 8,000 that that's not good. And that's kind of what I've seen with these knockoff batteries or the free ones you get at trade shows, which are coming from these knockoff people. They're, they're just inconsistent. And so I would go, yeah, anchor is a great brand. Tilt's a great brand. Monoprice is a great brand. I, th- I think you feel the same way, John, but I will. I will let you speak. Um, I can back up your statement about the uh, the tilt. So yep. they have uh, provided me. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, when I saw them at a recent show, or not so recent, um, the Energy Five K Plus. Yep. And what I like is that it's you know pretty high density. So you know it's a uh, five thousand milliamps or thereabouts. What I like about this one though is that it has both lightning and uh, USB yes. plugs. For flexibility for yeah, the, devices that the, happen to charge with USB. The tilt ones really have a, a, um, uh, and I, I miss using my tilt battery pack. My, my daughter commandeered it, but it's great for, her. It, it, it's got a built in cable in it. Uh, and I think yours has two built in cables in it. And, and the best part right. about these cables, uh, in addition to them being built in is that they're right angle cables. So, and I think I've mentioned this before, when you plug it into your device, you can actually sort of rest it against your, your, you know, your body, or you can put it down on a table and you're not, you're not putting a kink in the cable, even though you're resting it on the cable because the cable is a right angle connector, which is, um, which is as it, as it should be. And that's what I believe now. So that's how it works. It's time to bring in the band, John. At least that's yeah. what I think. Yeah. It's getting hot out there. It is getting hot out there. All right. Uh, we told you how to contact us earlier in the show. Make sure to visit us on Facebook. MacGeekab.com slash Facebook will bring, us, bring you to our fantastic Facebook group where we have a great um, uh, variety of people asking and answering questions it's a it's a fantastic group and frankly i don't spend enough time in there uh it's yet there's tons of activity happening it's it's quite awesome so thank you to everyone that is there and you really should check it out it's if you're if you're a facebook person at all check it out john anything to add before we uh before we say some thank yous and and make our goodbyes here uh about the Apple TV. I, now I remember this. Yeah. I think that's the only device. Yeah, I saw this. So one, I posted uh, with help of uh, using Text Expander, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm finally on the bandwagon. Um, Whoa. 
But but uh, yeah, I found Apple has an article about doing a restore, but I think it's the only Apple device that has a micro USB port. And they actually say in the article, oh, by the way, sold separately. I, I don't think any other Apple device uses micro USB. Any other I thought I mentioned that. Device. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Huh. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but you're t- I think you're totally right. Yeah, man. So that's just a heads up for people. If, if you're going to do a restore, uh, yeah, Apple typically doesn't like using micro USB. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least from what I notice. So you're going to have to rustle up a micro USB cable if you're going to, if you're going to, which I may do that. Because yeah, it sounds like mine's on the fritz. It does sound like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you can, I think that six second deal would, would probably solve your problem. Oh, that'll be step one. Okay. That's step one. Yeah, you got to cut a hole in the box first before you uh, before you move on to step two, right? All right, folks, that is all we have for today. I want to thank the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com for providing all the bandwidth to get the podcast from us to you. Of course, I want to thank all of our sponsors in the podcast marketplace. As we mentioned during the show, of course, smile at smilesoftware.com. Gazelle at uh, gazelle.com. Linda at lynda.com slash mgg. Imazing.com. Squarespace.com slash mgg. I just renewed one of my websites yesterday. Coupon code mgg gets you 10% off, and it got me that too. Maxsales.com. And of course, Barebones software at barebones.com. And we answered a question from Rich during the show, or shared a question. John. You brought us into this show. Bring us out. Give us a lasting piece of advice, if you would, please. I'm going to give you two pieces, Dave. One, don't take any wooden nickels. And two, more important, please don't get caught. Made up.